I'm Dr. Derek Cohen, and this is the Foundation Podcast. Greetings. We had quite the momentous week last week, with notable action in both chambers. Most notably, the House of Representatives passed 1927, the Constitutional Carry Bill, which would allow individuals otherwise permitted to carry a handgun to do so while keeping the state's licensure scheme intact, though optional, for state-to-state reciprocity. After a lengthy debate on Thursday, the bill finally cleared the chamber on Friday with a bipartisan vote of 87 to 58. The Senate version of the budget was over in the House. The Senate version came over $2.1 billion below the conservative Texas budget threshold, excluding $6 billion for property tax relief. The House Appropriations Committee substituted their version this week and passed it at $6 billion below the conservative Texas budget threshold while excluding the same for property tax relief. Both the budget and supplemental appropriation bills are set on the emergency items calendar this Thursday. Over in the Senate, the body passed SB2, which reforms the composition and mechanism of the ERCOT board, SBs 13 and 19, which prevents the state from doing business with companies that discriminate against the oil and gas industry and the Second Amendment, respectively, and SB 28, which stops local municipalities from hamstringing charter school growth. Most notably, SB 10 passed, which prohibits the practice of taxpayer-funded lobbying. Joining us today on the podcast is Brian Phillips. Brian is the Chief Communications Officer here at TPF. Brian, thank you for joining us. Uh, Thank you so much, Derek. I'm uh, really glad to be here on my very first episode. Well, you play your cards right, we'll have you back for a second. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up here at TPPF and what it is you do. Sure. I'm the Chief Communications Officer, so that basically means that I oversee all of our communications operations, which is everything from our websites to all of our messaging to all of our op-eds, any of those uh, communications products that go out, uh, videos, this podcast, all of that kind of stuff. Uh, Just making sure that uh, our messaging aligns with, of course, our research and our policy and that we're making the best possible case we can to the largest amount of people here in Texas. And how did you end up here? Well, uh, immediately before this, I was on uh, Ted Cruz's presidential campaign. I was his director for rapid response uh, and did that for the the 16 cycle. Prior to that, for about three or four years, I was uh, Senator Mike Lee's communications director. And so uh, between just those last two jobs, I've been sort of at the tip of the spear on a lot of policy fights. And um, it's been, been a wild ride to get here back to Texas, back to TPPF. And so I understand by what you just said that if anyone has hate mail for the podcast, they can send it straight to you. That's right. We'll we'll message it and we'll get it back to you. <laughs> I'll appreciate that. Uh, so, Brian, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is to discuss uh, some of the polling that uh, we've conducted recently. Before we talk about the specifics, why does a uh, 501c3 think tank engage in public opinion research? Well, sure. It is a little bit outside the box from what um, other think tanks might do, but we found it to be a really, really important resource, an important tool for us, um, you know, just for starters to understand the environment in Texas, where people people's heads are. What is their understanding of an issue before you start to talk to them about it? Um, do they have a broad understanding of things like tax policy and education policy? And so you can, you know, jump right in, or do you need to explain kind of how things work first? Uh, 
um, some of these issues. Although we have a very you know intelligent populace here in Texas, a lot of times um, some of these issues are really complicated. Or uh, people who disagree with our opinion and our policy um, have made some inroads, and they have some really bad ideas about how. Uh, about how to look at some of these issues. And so we always want to start with kind of what does the canvas look like uh, before we before we jump out there and start messaging or before we advocate even um, uh, in a particular way for, for one of our policy initiatives. So it's important for us just to kind of get a starting point. Excellent. So let's talk about this particular uh, poll that just came back. Give us some, mm-hmm. um, before we delve into the specific uh, points. Let's talk about top lines first. Yeah, absolutely. We at um, while we're in session, TPPF does polling every single month, and so it could be broad issues about things that you know, COVID, or just you know, things in general that people are dealing with, kind of their you know, right track, wrong track, that kind of thing. And then as session goes on, we obviously get more into the details um, on specific policy issues whether we're working on them specifically or not, or whether it's just something that the legislature is working on, uh, we get more into the weeds on that. And so just very generally, you know, we always try to follow the the issues that are the most important to Texans. We always ask that question every single time we poll because we want to see the trends. We want to see how how people's ideas about how the state are, are doing uh, tend to evolve even from month to month, particularly because there's so much information that's going out all the time. And, and, and especially during session, because when we have it, uh, once every two years, um, there's there's a lot of interest. And so people are really paying attention to public policy issues in a way that they may not uh, most of the time. Kind of like around an election, how everybody gets really interested in what's going on in Washington or what's going on in politics. Um, same kind of thing here in session. And so uh, in, in general, um, you know, the number one issue, um, probably not surprising to a lot of people, uh, is illegal immigration. What might be surprising is how that issue has jumped to the very top so rapidly since we uh, pulled on this the last few months, starting in September of last year, illegal immigration was only about 5% of the public thought that it was the most important issue or the most important issue the state legislature and state policymakers should address. Today, it's 25%. So it's jumped fivefold in just a few months. And again, that shouldn't necessarily be surprising to a lot of our listeners because it's been on the front pages. We obviously have a crisis at the border that we're having to deal with. We have an administration who's taking a completely opposite approach to the way the previous administration did when for some things that were working. They've taken a completely opposite approach. And now you've got this explosion at the border. You've got issues, you know, obviously with crime and with um, violence that are going on across the border and into Texas but you've also got the COVID issue with not you know, checking people as they're coming in. And then just in general, what to do with, with tens, hundreds of thousands of, of illegal immigrants and migrants. Um, you know, it's, it's a question for us here in Texas. So that shouldn't be too surprising, but it is. it shows that um, the attention of, of Texans has really drifted to this one particular issue very, very quickly. And what else we have uh, kind of percolating to the top in this uh, survey? Sure. COVID and vaccines is number two at 19 percent. Um, again, not super surprising that it's that it's up there. Uh, people, it, it appears people are less worried necessarily about um, the spread of COVID, but the importance of getting the vaccine, the importance of doing you know things we need to do in order to beat the vaccine. Um, third on this list, and it's usually number one, is, is jobs in the economy. So these other issues of illegal immigration and COVID and, and people getting the vaccine and not spreading the virus have really jumped ahead of something that you would typically see, which is kind of what is my personal 
um, a situation? Am I, you know, is, am, how's my job doing? How, am I, how is my community doing? You'll see that uh, usually be at the top in terms of unemployment and the economy. Um, and then all the other issues have really drifted off. I mean, even things like um, healthcare and education and energy issues are really in the very low to single digits. So, uh, you know, right now, if you're not talking about illegal immigration, you know, COVID and to some extent the economy, you're not really talking to voters. It's interesting that uh, uh, jobs in the economy are number three, which is usually number one, um, and the other two, the top one and two being uh, immigration and COVID. It almost kind of makes you wonder that looking at one and two, if those are both sub facets of concern regarding the economy. Yeah, I mean, it certainly is. You know, the economy, it's kind of funny when you look at polls. It, it's not that that. Um, that people sit around and think about GDP, right? Or, you know, and even- I have to stop you right there because Vance <laughs> Ginn would, uh, would bust through that door and correct you. He, he absolutely would. Um, what, what the, when people talk about the economy, it's really more of a proxy for the mood of the nation. Are we in a good place? If the economy is good, then that means we as a people are doing well. And that means that I have opportunity and that I'm getting the education I need or that I'm able to provide for my family. That's really sort of a proxy. People aren't sitting around looking at, you know, graphs and charts and saying, oh, I think the economy is doing well now. And so, you know, that's it's less of an issue. It's really just more of about the mood of the country is really what that is. So you're saying it's not the GDP, it's the change CPI, I understand. So, <laughs> but- Drilling down into to the immigration issue. So obviously we've seen that skyrocket. You said five-fold increase. Mm -hmm. What in our poll has indicated, well, what do we do about it? Well, we have we we're just now starting trying to understand exactly where people are on that right now. And so we've asked some questions about, well, you know, how are how are state leaders handling that? How is the legislature handling that? Obviously, we asked about Biden um, and right now he's got a 56 percent disapproval rating uh, on the border. And so the the. the we started to ask a little bit, um, we, we were going to uh, ask a little bit about these solutions and about kind of reversing the policies that, that Trump put in place. But the reality is there just hasn't been enough information out there about those specific policies. And so we really, on this poll, we really wanted to focus on just kind of what is people's perceptions of what's going on at the border and whether or not they're happy or, or not happy. I think on the next poll, we'll probably dig into a little bit more about, well, what do you think the solutions are? And so you also mentioned jobs in the economy. One of the big things that we have talked about with our colleague Vance prior to on this show is how are we going to spend this massive, I would say, cresting wave of, of federal money or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I guess we could say a federally printed money uh, that's coming back to the states. Uh, so have we actually looked at that or maybe uh, the different sort of proposals for spending that money? Sure. You've got, I think the last time Vance uh, uh, gave a report, it's something like $30 billion could be coming to Texas. Um, and and so we just asked people, we, we, you know, we looked at all of the things that people are talking about spending the money on, put that on a list and then just asked tex Texans what they thought. Number one was increasing funding for schools. Again, you know, a couple of these things which are interesting, you know, Schools was number one. Um, unemployment was number seven. I mean, people want, you know, the issues around COVID with, you know, not being able to send your kid to school, not having access to health care, not, you know, unemployment and not being able to go back to work. That's what people want 
them to spend the money on, right? So you've got increasing funding for schools was number one, unemployment benefits was number three. But interestingly, again, because of this illegal immigration problem that we have at the border, number two was funding for the border wall. So 13% of Texans said that, that we should spend money to shore up the, the, our border security. Uh, but then the rest were healthcare services. Um, what's interesting, though, is that a lot of people have talked about um, using this money to expand Medicaid. And only about 8% said that they wanted to expand Medicaid, which is just around the same amount of people who said that we should reject the funding altogether uh, because it has too many strings attached to it. So, And then there's some other issues. Um, you know, Even paying down the state's debt got a really, really low response, which is one of the things that we had heard. So people are kind of all over the map, but you get a sense that the issues really are, if this is COVID-related funding, if this is trying to get us back on track after a terrible year last year, it needs to go to the things that are most hit, which is my kids' education, my ability to, to stay healthy, and getting our economy back on track. It's, it's interesting that you point out some of those, uh, some of the spread, I would say, among those, uh, among those different proposals. How would you, and again, this is complete speculation, but how would you guess that these similar proposals would fare nationally. Now, I think we can say that, you know, Nebraska, use it to finish the border walls, probably wouldn't score as right. high. But otherwise, as terms, as, in terms of what an average American uh, would consider, as, such, as much as one can be, what do you think, how do you think this reflects the national sentiment? Sure. Well, if, there, if we're talking about getting, on, getting back on track after a year after COVID, um, that what, what you're hearing from people most nationally is that it should be related to the things that were uh, diminished as a re as a result of COVID. Again, it's it's getting my kid back in school or getting them, you know, restarting our educational system somehow, making sure that they're getting the education that they need. Second, probably most important of all those things is making sure that our economy gets cranked up back again. I mean, prior to COVID, we were rolling. I mean, we were humming right along. I mean, we're probably one of the best economies that I've ever seen in my entire lifetime uh, right before the pandemic hit. And so people want to get back to that. They want to get back to, you know, people going out, people, um, you know, traveling, all of those kinds of things. Um, and then last, uh, you know, obviously, not last but not least, is, is healthcare and making sure that, you know, things like the vaccines are available, uh, making sure that um, people, you know, have what they need in order to stay healthy or they have access to doctors or they can get in uh, to, to see the doctor when they feel sick and, and make themselves feel protected. So I think those, again, those three things nationally are, are going to be the things that people are going to look for. And so last week we had Kevin on the show and he spoke uh, in broader terms of, the conservative movement and what we see here in the state, what we see nationally as well. So as a person who has been plugged into the conservative movement, both nationally and here in the state, how does Texas go about its business differently than what we see in D.C.? Well, we actually get things done. I mean, that's the interesting thing about it. Um, you know, in, in D.C., you know, very few pieces of legislation actually, you know, particularly controversial or um, really important pieces of legislation like, you know, the First Step Act that happened two or three years ago. I mean, something like that was phenomenal that we actually got through uh, D.C. But in D.C., I mean, it, it, everything starts with a messaging bill or everything starts with, you know, I'm just going to submit this bill so I can go back to my constituents and say that I did it. But there's no real effort to try and put together a coalition to pass legislation. Um, you see the, all they debate about right now in in, in D.C. is how can we just get this through the legislature on a pure party line vote? 
Um, you know, one of the big narratives that's going on right now is how uh, Biden ran on unity and ran on bipartisanship and how he was going to be so much different, supposedly, uh, than his predecessor. And now you're real. Now you're seeing, you know, from behind the scenes, people are leaking these stories about how it's all just smoke and mirrors about how, you know, the Republicans will come up with a plan or come up with an, an alternative to say the infrastructure bill or something like that that's more in line with their values and hope to come to the negotiating table and and put a package together. And then Chuck Schumer stands up the next day and just steamrolls it on through. So, you know, that's, I mean, that's really distressing, I think, for a lot of Americans. That's kind of the standard operating procedure. And to get to your question, it's just not like that here in, in, in Texas. I mean, you, you see Republicans and, and Democrats in a lot of spaces working together. I mean, just last week, we had um, the Speaker of the House rolled out a healthcare package that included a number of, of Democrat bills, a number of Republican bills as well, um, and said, this is going to be our healthcare plan. This is the House healthcare plan. And what was really remarkable about that, and that's kind of inside baseball, is that it wasn't an omnibus bill, right? Like the omnibus bills are the ones where it's all take it or leave it. You know, we're going to put some of your stuff in here and some of our stuff in here, and we all have to jump off the cliff together in order to pass, you know, something in order to actually get something passed. Well, they didn't do that this time. These are actually packages of individual bills. Now, they packaged it together and they said, we're going to do a bipartisan package. But at the end of the day, if, you know, if a Republican doesn't want to vote for that bill or a Democrat can't support that bill, they're still going to have an opportunity to weigh in on that. But as a package, they're going to go forward uh, and present, you know, solutions to really an incredibly difficult problem of fixing healthcare. Putting a stamp on it saying this is the cameral answer to the question of healthcare. That's right. And have a real debate about it and allow amendments and, and you know, what we expect our government officials to do. So uh, to get a little more uh, beard, uh, beard strokey and eggheady on this uh, on this pod than we usually do on the matter of Congress, is Congress redeemable? Man, I hope so. Um, I'm, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways it can be, you know, the, it's funny because if you look back, you know, 20 years, 50 years, even 100 years, you know, I mean, the rhetoric, it, everyone says it's worse than it's ever been. It's actually not. I mean, you can look at some of the the quotes, I mean, the fights that, you know, Teddy Kennedy had with Republicans. I mean, it was just as nasty then as it is now. Um, and yet we've still been able to get big pieces of legislation through uh, in the 80s and 90s, um, you know, and then up until the First Step Act a few years ago. So um, I think... You know, I think we can uh, get back maybe to a, a time when, um, you know, Republicans and Democrats even talked offline and, and kind of came together and tried to figure out a way to get um, things done. But at the same time, there's very, very real serious differences between the approaches, uh, not just with, between the two parties and the two sides, but even within each each one of the parties. You see this, you know, with Nancy Pelosi fighting with AOC. You see this with, you know, Chip Roy coming out and and blasting leadership for not allowing amendments on, on things for procedural issues. So, um, you know, I, I, I actually don't think it's as bad as people make it out to be. I think I think it uh, I think we can get some stuff done and um, you know, it just may not be as major as the legislation has been in the past. Well, Brian, I appreciate you ending that on a, a point of optimism, and I'm really glad you were able to join us today. Thanks, Derek. Anytime. This has been Derek Cohen with the Foundation Podcast. And remember, podcasts are infrastructure.